Well, thank you so much. It's, it's always such an honor uh, to be here at Grace Covenant. It's like my second home, actually. And uh, I, I love your pastor, Matt. We've known each other for over 30 years, and uh, I, I can't believe he still trusts me to come <laughs> and speak after he's heard me, but uh, so delighted to be here today and um, asking God to, to lead us and speak to our hearts. You know, I want to begin by um, asking who among us has been to Hawaii. Anyone? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been there one time. Just one time, a beautiful place. I was invited to go and uh, participate in a wedding, and my kids and my wife were invited to come as well. The, it was just wonderful to, to go there. The weather's beautiful. Uh, it's, uh, it's so incredibly beautiful geographically. But there's one thing you need to know about Hawaii. There's a lot of ways to die there especially if you're me, especially if you're like me, you can't swim very well and surrounded by water, you are in great peril. I mean, you can go out in the water, snorkel and be eaten by a shark. You can drown if you don't have your flippers and your noodle on when you're snorkeling. There's all those cliffs everywhere that are straight down. You take one wrong step and you're gone. But it is a beautiful place, I'm just going to say. Well, when we went there, we did a little bit of hiking, and uh, my son likes to push my buttons like kids can do. And this was a long time ago when he was still in high school. He's now a grown man and living with his family and uh, around the world. But he knew how to push my buttons, and this is what he would do. He would go right up to the very edge of these straight-down cliffs. And I'm afraid of heights, too, I'm just telling you. And when you're afraid of heights, you're not only afraid of heights for yourself, you're afraid of your heights for everybody else. And you're dying inside and saying, Son, please come off the edge of that cliff. Please don't do that. Just so much worry about what could go wrong. And I have to tell you, I... I have to admit this to you, a confession I have to make, and I hope you're already picking up on it. I worry about a lot of stuff. In fact, I'm a person I'm not supposed to worry. I know a lot of what Jesus says and what the Bible says, but still I have to admit that there is this low-boil anxiety that I find in my soul sometimes that I can't explain, but it's there. Anybody like that here where you're just living your life and all of a sudden you realize, I am, I'm worried about this. This really concerns me. Well, today we're going to learn some words from Jesus that deals with this thing called worry. And the truth is what Jesus says about worry, nothing of it is good. There's nothing good about worry, but still we do it. So I want to share a message with you today. I've got two titles, one for the website, which is proper for a church title, Worldly Worry in the Kingdom Perspective. That sounds good, doesn't it? Feels like that belongs on a website. Or 
We can call it, don't worry, be happy. But the temptation is I want to kind of dance, kind of just scuttle up here to a Jamaican tune in my mind, and you start whistling, and we say, don't worry, right? Be happy. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. To hear the words of Jesus on this subject of worry, would you please stand, if you would? Let's please stand today in honor of God's Word as I read it for us. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life or a single cubit to his height? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory and splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will not much more he clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Our Father, we pray that you take the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, and make them pleasing in your sight, O God. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and through us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Now, Webster defines worry this way in two ways. First is a verb, to disturb or destroy one's peace of mind by repeated or persistent tormenting attacks. Synonyms include annoy, bedevil, beleaguer, gnaw, harass, hassle, needle, pester, plague, tantalize. And used as a noun, it can be described as anxiety or concern or uneasiness. And there are related words, doubt, mistrust, uncertainty, anguish, heartache, and woe. I haven't found anything good yet about worry. Now, when we think about what causes worry in us, I, I thought about that just a little bit. Uh, here's a couple of thoughts about what causes or can set us up to worry. Number one, we can anticipate the coming of, that are, of, of experiences that are outside human expression. Like when I'm there in Hawaii, imagining a tsunami might come, and what would I do? I'm worried about a tsunami. 
Or uh, there can be a fear of repeating past traumatic experiences, near-death experiences, crisis situations. Like, like that's why I always in my adult life grab the doctor's hand when he tries to put that tongue depressor to see down my throat. Why? Because I swallowed a penny when I was young and almost died. And anything on my tongue is a threat and causes me to worry. Or some of us might be filled with worry because of a guilty conscience, like our, our dogs looking at us when we return home and they have dug a, a hole in the backyard and they feel that worry because of that guilt. Or it can be um, this idea, worry can be provoked by perceiving a threat, an upcoming threat of physical or emotional harm. Kind of the feeling a lot of us get when we are anticipating family reunions. And we know how they push our buttons and we're worried to attend. But here's another reason we might feel worry. It's because we fear the possibility of impending humiliation like I feel just a little bit as I speak to you today. I certainly don't want to humiliate you or to humiliate myself. And so there's a low-level anxiety, even worry, thinking about that. Or some of us might begin to feel worry because of a dread or threat of death, like I was thinking on our Hawaii trip. How many ways I can worry about dying in Hawaii? Are you serious? Now, as believers, we have causes for concern. But that's a little different from being filled with worry. I think there are things that should concern us, that's for sure. But worry defined is this. It's an acute shortage of confidence of God. And the truth is there's a lot of verses in the Bible that tell us not to worry, not to be anxious, but to pray about everything, and the peace of God will fill our souls. But still, I'm here to tell you from my own experience, and I think if I took a poll today, a lot of us in this, in this room still are filled with worry, right? Anyone? It's the way of the human condition. Now, Jesus wants to help us, okay? Jesus breaks into this worry-filled soul of ours and says, there's something different you should experience there's nothing good about worry. He says worldly worry does not mix with a kingdom perspective. Instead, he says, and let's say it together, don't worry. Yeah. Well, let's look at this passage and see what he says about worry. In fact, he says seven negative things about worry to persuade us to go away from it. First of all, Write this down and circle it, if you will. Worry, he says, is irrational. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Now, 
here Jesus is stating a general principle that he's going to expand and amplify in the following verses. But here's what he's saying. Your life is more important to God than food and drink. Your body is more important to God than clothes. Your heavenly Father treasures you above all he's created. So he says in Psalm 8, Therefore, do not worry about your life. Now, there's an interesting word here that we need to look at. Look at the first word of the sentence in verse 25. He says, therefore, therefore, I tell you. Now, what does that mean? Well, what he's saying here is going back to the verses you just read, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, you should have learned something already. You should have learned that eternal treasures are better, better than temporal treasures. And where treasures are, so are our hearts. And if we focus instead on what is eternal, we'll walk in the light. If God is our master, we learn in those verses previous, then money will not keep us in bondage. Therefore, don't worry about your life. God will take care of you. You are an eternal creature loved by an eternal God seeking eternal values. Now, Jesus is not saying have a happy-go-lucky kind of attitude, a selah vie, but rather he's He's not teaching carefree or responsible to trust. He's not teaching lack of concern, but dependence. He's not teaching lack of planning, but confidence. What Je Jesus is saying is, my Father, God the Father is the creator of life, and I with them and with the Spirit, and he cares for us. Think about what he's done with the big things, creating the universe. He can be trusted for the little things for food and drink and clothing. Now, there's an interesting story in John chapter 21. It's a glorious story. It's a sacred story. It's unbelievably important. Jesus has restored Peter after Peter has denied Jesus three times. And how does he restore him? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. It's very intense. It's very emotional. Peter's invited back in and empowered to take on new responsibility. And there should be a period on that story, end of story, John 21. What a sacred moment. But it's not the period. You know what the end of the story is? After Jesus has been so kind to love Peter this way, Peter says, well, Lord, what about John? What? He goes right back to his view of the world that's filled with worry. What about John? Jesus says, don't worry about John. What are you saying? You do what I've commanded you to do. That's the way we worry warts are. Jesus speaks truth to us, but we turn away <laughs> right back to the thing that's disturbing our peace. Here's the second thing Jesus says about worry. He says, worry is senseless. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, how many of you like watching the birds in your backyard? In fact, some of you have gone so far as to build them houses and bird baths and even feed the birds, that you love the birds. 
Well, birds are very interesting, aren't they? There's all kinds of communities of birds. There's those robins and the hummingbirds, and they're all flitting about your, your backyard. And what's so interesting about them is they're so busy building and doing, yet they're carefree and filled with song, seeming to indicate not one ounce of worry. Now here Jesus is not telling us to stop reaping or farming or preparing, but rather he's saying, look, you are more important to God than birds. And if God feeds the birds, even without your help, won't he also feed you? Aren't you more valuable to God than birds? I saw this kind of cute little poem. I don't usually read poems. I know what you think about pastors that read poems, but I'm going to read this one because it's so, I like it. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as he who cares for you and me. That's good, isn't it? Our loving Father is both the creator and the sustainer of all life. That's why we pray, give us today our daily bread. God is active in the world he created. Yes, he's infinite above his creation, but he's also personal, involved in the details of his creation as well. And in the same way, God sustains the entire universe and the life of all animals. Guess what? He's committed to sustaining our lives too. That's why the Bible says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. It's the third characteristic that Jesus tells us about worry. He says, worry is useless. Verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life or a single cubit to his height? Write this down. Worry changes nothing. Not one bit. The things that we're facing in life Worry doesn't help at all. He says here, can you add a single hour to your life, to your lifespan? Can you add a single inch to one's height? And I wished I could. I wished I could by worry become 6'4", so I could dunk a basketball. I would love that. But he's saying you can't. Worrying about things doesn't change anything one bit. Now, I have to tell you, I debate that in my actions for sure. I might know that in my head, but I debate that idea. My worry, I think, can, can control things. Let me ask it this way. Who's your favorite basketball team? UT, A&M? Well, I hate to say my daughter went to school here. My, our favorite basketball team is Duke. We, we love Duke. Any booze? Uh, murmur, murmur, okay. Well, let me tell you something about watching Duke basketball. I believe my posture can change the outcome of the game. <laughs> like when they're getting close, I stand up and I'm near the TV and I'm yelling and I, I'm thinking somehow my movements can change what's going to happen. My worry is going to make the outcome of that game be different. I got to tell you a funny story. I have a buddy. 
he, he went to the national championship game. His team was playing, and he bought these nice tickets, he thought, but they were in the end zone, and he didn't like them. And while he was in the end zone, his team was doing terrible. So he went outside, and he got some tickets from some scalpers, $1,000 or so per ticket, so he could sit on the 50-yard line. And still there was no transformation in the outcome of this game. And this was really getting to him. End zone, 50-yard line, didn't matter. So he, at halftime, he goes and he buys a hot dog and some refreshments. And, and he starts watching the game on the monitor out there, and not in the, inside the stadium, but outside where you buy the food. And they started doing good. You know what he did? He stood there in front of the monitor the rest of the game because he thought he could change the outcome. I hate to say his team lost. <laughs> but that's what we do. We think by worrying, we can change the outcome. Here's the fourth thing Jesus says about worry. He says, it's faithless. Worry is faithless. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. Look, here Jesus takes up the basic issue of worrying about clothing. Now, yes, he says, clothes are a little less important but food, but yet all of it's important to God. And here's what he says. I want you to do this. I want you to look at the flowers and make a careful observation of the lilies of the field. And how do lilies, wildflowers grow? They don't labor. They don't spend during their beauty. Rather, individually, they grow together to adorn grass with overwhelming splendor. Their beauty makes Solomon's glory pale in comparison. You, we've seen that, haven't we? Climb those, those, those mountain valleys and seen all those flowers that, that weren't planted by humans but planted by the hand of God that so beautifully array the landscape. Seeing those blue bonnets on Texas highways and where do they come from and how do they know to pop up exactly at Easter time? I don't know. Because God is the one that's putting it together. He causes them to grow. He plants them and watches the picture unfold. Now listen. Here Jesus says, if this is how God clothes temporal things that he's created, like flowers and landscapes, how much more will he clothe the eternal things he's created? Grass and flowers fade away, but people are eternal. So to worry about what you're going to wear is to be a person of little faith. You know, I have to say this in the midst of the world we're living in. It's a crazy world right now, isn't it? I mean... You watch the news, you watch the television, you hear the debates, the discussions, and, and you're just going, Lord, I am so vexed about so many things. My soul is in anguish. There is such worry that's inside of me because I don't know the outcome. And then I step back and I ask myself, is God in control or not? I mean, does God wake up? He doesn't sleep. But does he wake up like and, and go, wow, the things that are happening in the world now, I didn't see that coming. 
but we act like that's the way God is approaching it. We feel like we've got to fill in the blanks and be nervous about everything. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You need to trust me no matter what happens. You see, a lot of people can trust Jesus to deliver them to heaven, but they have trouble believing Jesus wants to carry them in this life. He wants to carry us. He wants us to release the worry. Now, the next thing Jesus says here, the fifth thing he says about worry, and here we go, it is exhausting. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Listen to this. Worry is indeed distrust of God, but it's also choosing to live like the world. That's what it's about. And what's the core values who live without the Holy Spirit in their hearts? They're mainly focused on basic human existence and human needs. Food, drink, clothes, power, prestige, possessions. Why? Because they have no higher calling. They have no greater reason for being. Willard says it this way, some people would rather starve to death than to look bad. Good quote. And Jesus says it this way, the pagans, what's the word? Run after these things. But what about us? Are we like this godless world without values of an understanding that there is a God that's spoken and he has spoken reliably to us? Well, I hate to say it. Unfortunately, believers can be just like the world. They can worry just like the world. In fact, even people that knew Jesus in the day were filled often with this kind of worry. Do you remember that story from Luke chapter 10? Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house. And it says... Mary was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made while Martha was, I'm sorry, Martha was distracted. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Flitting over here and over there and all Mary's doing is just sitting at your feet taking it all in. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, even though you tell me to tell her to help you, you are worried, dear sister, and upset about many things. But there's only one thing that's needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. How many of us live lives like Martha? Lord, I'm, I'm just caring about all these things. I'm worried about many things. I want it to all turn out right. Exhausted by worry. But Jesus is saying, listen, listen, Martha, and everyone like her that's tempted to worry like her. 
God is our Father. We are His sons and daughters, members of God's kingdom, and our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Sit down. Be still. Here's the sixth thing Jesus says about worry. He says, worry is distracting. And here He gets down to the bottom line where our thoughts and our hearts ought to go. He says, verse 33, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things that you worry about will be given to you as well. Instead of worrying, He says, be encouraged to pursue His kingdom and His righteousness. So what's His kingdom? Let me give you a definition of this. His kingdom is defined as the, the sphere of his governance. There is an there's an eternal sphere of his governance in which he reigns complete. But also there is a present expression of his kingdom as he lives by his spirit in the hearts of his believers. And there will be a time where his kingdom will be a kingdom of righteousness and nothing will go against it. And then specifically, his righteousness as a character quality is talking about his motives, his attitudes, his conduct, his standards. And here's the point. The truth is that all human beings that we ever meet on this planet are seeking something. They're seeking meaning in this world. And here Jesus tells us all the very best pursuit you could ever undertake. Interesting, this word seek means an unceasing quest, like searching for gold or silver. John Stott said it this way, seeking is a person's ambition, his reason for living, what makes a man tick, his secret motivation. And worry distracts us from that passion. That's why I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3. He says, this one thing I do. There's one thing in my life that motivates me. There's this one thing in my life that I seek. And he says it this way. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's good, isn't it? This one thing I do, and therefore do not worry about all these other things things. All right, let's summarize. Jesus says about worry, there's nothing good about it. It's irrational, senseless, useless, faithless, exhausting, distracting. But one last characteristic, and this is one of my favorite words on the planet, it is absolutely unnecessary. Now, I got to tell you, as I get older, I use that word more often. I find myself in a discussion that's going downhill, and I just go, this is not necessary. 
I see someone wanting to poke somebody out, you know, t- you know, take them out either physically or emotionally, and I just go, it's not worth it. It's unnecessary. There are so many things in this world that are absolutely unnecessary. Agreed? You agree with me? Just absolutely unnecessary. And one of them, Jesus says, is worry. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I just am using my imagination just a little bit here. I think Jesus may have said this after all these sentences, said this with a smile in a very pragmatic way, kind of like a scene from The Chosen, maybe. And he says, you ready? Live one day at a time. That's it. Live one day at a time. Limit today's concerns to today. Each day has enough challenge in and of itself. I love this quote from Ian McLaren. He said, what does anxiety do? It doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows but it empties today of its strength. It does not allow you to escape the evil, but it renders you unfit to cope with it when it comes. That's good. And all I think Jesus is saying in these words, these sentences, this paragraph are summed up in one Old Testament psalm and one New Testament verse to help us get worry in the right perspective in our minds and our hearts. You ready? Old Testament Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Ready? For you are with me. And then the New Testament verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. We cannot underestimate the incredible love and care our Father has for us. A love so profound that he is going to deliver us one day to be in his visible presence, known as we, knowing as we are known, and without any sense of guilt, without any shame, we'll be in his presence. And he has the power to do that. And he has the same power to help us in this life to make it through to that day. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed until that day. So what are you worried about today? Tell me, what are you worried about today? Is it the kids, your marriage, your job? 
tsunamis. What is it? You know, I was thinking this through, and I was, I was thinking, well, Jesus, thank you so much for telling us what's, what's wrong with worry. But how do, I, how do I apply it to my life? Finally, after about the 10th time of Stephen going up to the edge of those cliffs, I got to tell you what I did. I didn't push them over. But I sat down and I said, Lord, you've got this. You've got this. My worry is not going to change anything about what he's doing. And he is not an obedient son right now. But I can't think about it another moment. You see, ultimately, there's a twofold process to dealing with worry. Because worry, listen, worry is not primarily a problem of the mind. It's a problem of the heart. And Jesus can tell us all these facts about the problems with worry, and still we worry. So what must we do? Here you go. You ready for this? Just two, two ideas. Number one, taking in all that we know of God's truth let us take every thought captive. That fear pops up. Lord, get rid of that thought. This idea, oh, get rid of that one. Take it captive. What does the Bible say? Take it captive. Take it captive. But then there's something else I think is necessary. Because our mind is working, interacting with Scripture and his Holy Spirit, but the most powerful place of getting the victory is by praying this prayer. Lord, would you help my heart believe what my head already knows? Will you change my emotions informed by what I know from the truth of, of, of your Holy Spirit and your word and allow my emotions to embrace that. And you know what? God starts doing some major work in our lives. Isn't that right? And soon, we get to say to other people, because we experience ourselves, say it with me, don't worry. Be happy. Lord, thank you so much for your word and your power. Thank you so much for these good people who love you, who come to seek you. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, not just today, but throughout the week, so we could trade our worry in for trust. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.